I'm Kathleen Anderson, part skeptic, part believer, and your host of The Eclipse. Welcome to my podcast, where I dive into the unknown, seeking truth and hope with a healthy dose of skepticism and humor. Hello, hello, and welcome back to The Eclipse. We had such a great time with the first five episodes, and we are so excited to present the next five. I have to say, I am truly touched by all the support we've received for this podcast. It really is easily half the fun of building this new adventure. It wouldn't be anything without people willing to listen and interact with what we've made. So thank you to everyone who listened, followed, and shared the first five episodes. If you are new to the eclipse, welcome. My goal with these episodes is to provide a respite from the usual sour and dour news of the world, introduce you to something interesting, bizarre, and possibly ridiculous. And in the process, I might make you laugh a couple times. So I invite you to sit back, chill out, and honestly, try not to take the next few minutes too seriously. This episode is dedicated to a dear friend of mine, Patrick, who I met while I was stationed at Pope Army Airfield in North Carolina, and I miss him all the time. I used to have the best talks with him. He is equal parts frustrating at times and just lovable and supportive. And so I just miss the heck out of you, Patrick, if you're listening to this. I had... Uh, ask the audience, you know, my, or our audience for any potential ideas of what they wanted us to cover for the next five episodes. And Patrick was all over it. He immediately had messaged me even before I actually sent the request out for ideas. He was like, hey, are you going to take ideas for your podcast? Because I have a great one. And so I said, well, yeah, of course, like naturally. And so he wanted me to discuss a secret society that honestly is probably just the worst at maintaining secrecy. He had heard about it in another podcast that's pretty good. I think it's called Conspiracy Theories. And it's the Skull and Bones Yale Secret Society. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, so this so this society is honestly one that I really didn't follow too much when I was younger or even now as an adult. Uh, I knew that the Bush family was very involved in Skull and Bones. But other than that, I wasn't really that into it. I'm a huge Bush family fan, probably much to my editor's dismay. I'm a, I'm a big fan of George Bush Sr. and Jr. So, I mean, I guess that's something. I guess that makes it mildly interesting for me. So Skull and Bones is also known as the Order or the Brotherhood of Death, which is pretty cool. Although I'm not sure that's a really great selling point. I'm not sure I would really be excited to join an organization that's like main selling point is that it's like shrouded in death. Um, But also it's known as Order 322. So 322 has a lot of running themes in this society. It's like common numerical geeky symbolism. And it's the year that the Greek orator, and I'm going to screw this up, Demosthenes died. So Demosthenes, for those of you out there that aren't super Greek nerds, was widely considered ancient Greece's best orator, so public speaker, if you will. And his speeches 
in large part, convinced the everyday people to rise against Alexander the Great. Now, I'm not going to get too far into that because this particular podcast is not really about history. I plan to launch a totally different podcast that does little history nuggets. But it's good to know that this 322 theme that Swiss Skull and Bones is related to the death of someone who's widely considered the best Greek orator ever. Because the founding of Skull and Bones, and this is just possibly the nerdiest thing I've ever heard, came from a kerfuffle between two Yale debate teams in 1832. Yeah, so, you know, you think about Skull and Bones, it sounds really cool, and then you find out it's like Lincoln-Douglas debate nerds upset about who knows what. I think it had something to do with, and full disclosure, I actually don't know if it was Lincoln-Douglas debaters or not. There's different types of debate, which makes me kind of a nerd to even know that. But I think it was some sort of argument over awards or something ridiculous like that. But that is how Skull and Bones came to be. It is not the only secret society at Yale University. There's two other big ones called Scroll and Key, which sounds very kind of Harry Potter, J.R.R. Tolkien lame, if you ask me. And then what I think sounds way cooler, Wolf's Head. <laughs> which, I mean, if I had to pick which society, I kind of feel like Wolf's Head sounds, sounds cooler to me. But maybe that's just because I have a unique like, connection to the idea of Wolf's Head. When I was in the service, at one point I was stationed in Korea, and the base I was at was known as the Wolf Pack. And the commander we had there wanted to use government money to purchase like stuffed wolf's heads to mount in all of the conference rooms. And he was flabbergasted that this is not considered like a legal justifiable purpose. And so when you like you try and tell this, you know, Fulberg colonel who's, you know, wolf one is his call sign or whatever that he can't buy. He can't go to a taxidermist and use taxpayer dollars to buy a stuffed wolf's head. His his response was like, well, where does it say that I can't that I can't buy a stuffed wolf's head? It's like, well, I mean, the legislators didn't think that far ahead. Anyway, that's a completely different side story. But that's why we're here, right? Is to kind of just listen to me ramble about random bizarre things. <laughs> so so back to skull and bones. So not so secret secret society skull and bones. Probably the biggest thing about them is that they have a lot of well-known members. And no, contrary to what my husband likes to claim, members who are part of Skull and Bones are not called boners, which would be much better. But they're called bonesmen. So some of the well-known bonesmen, you have John Kerry, who, among many other things, was a, is, is a member of the Forbes family, is the climate change envoy for the Biden administration, whatever that means. I think that means he just flies around in his personal jet spewing out, you know, bad stuff for the environment and then telling us to not fart, I guess, which is impossible in my family. Like, I think my, like, the Anderson Black household alone produces enough. We probably are the like the sole contributor to most of the methane gas that is eroding the atmosphere. So I should probably actually do an episode on that. He was also a failed presidential candidate and senator of Massachusetts. You got one of my favorites, the 41st president of the United States, George H.W. Bush. He was also Uncle Ronnie's vice president, Ronald Reagan. 
ambassadors to the UN and director of the CIA. So keep that in mind because we're going to talk about the CIA again later. And I'm probably going to dedicate a whole separate episode to the CIA, but just keep that in mind for right now. Then you have the 27th president and 10th chief justice. And this individual is the only person to have ever held both of those seats, William Taft. So he was part of Skull and Bones, which makes sense because his dad was a founding member of Skull and Bones. So his dad must have been a part of that, like, nerdy Lincoln-Douglas debate team that got into a fight. So whatever a debate team fight looks like. Then you have the 43rd president, another one of my favorites, George W. Bush, also former governor of Texas. He, I believe he also was co-owner of the Astros. Um, I don't think he is anymore, but... I find that cool. There was once a time when I fancied myself uh, getting a degree in sports management. I wanted to own a baseball team, but maybe another life. You also have Paul Giamatti, which if you don't know who Paul Giamatti is, he's an actor, producer. He's been in some really terrible stuff. I was not a big fan of Sideways, personally. But he's also in some great shows. He played John Adams in the John Adams miniseries, which obviously I'm an American history nerd, so I loved it. And he's in one of my uh, kind of guilty pleasures, a Showtime show called Billions, which I'm way behind on. I think I'm two seasons behind. Um, So he's a Skull and Bones member. Then you have these families, you know, like the Bush family is very big into it. In fact, Prescott Bush, who is the grandfather, I believe, of George W. Bush. He will come up here later. He was a part of Skull and Bones. But you had the Rockefellers, the oil tycoons, you know, you got John D. Rockefellers, the first, you know, American billionaire. The Carnegies were Skull and Bones members. They're the steel magnets. And then you have the Ford family, and everybody knows Ford, built Ford Tough, Skull and Bones. They were a part of it, too. So as you can tell, there's like this, there's a lot of really famous family names that are a part of this group. So some other, you know, this is where it gets kind of weird. So... If you look into their, their every group's going to have an initiation, right? Especially a secret society. And so there's been rumor that part of the initiation involves things with the occult or black magic, right? Um, animal sacrifices as well. It's pretty gross and psychopathic, but um, not entirely sure I buy any of that. But uh, there is fair enough background to say that you one of the things you have to do is and I think this is kind of gross especially when you think about some of the the big time members of Skull and Bones you have to confess all of your sexual encounters and so here's my question so you join as an undergraduate now I you know some of these bubbas are kind of old and they come from you know families that you it's not like you would be necessarily all that promiscuous so you wouldn't really be do you have to confess every year is what i'm asking i guess because i would assume as you progress through your life you're going to have more sexual encounters but i don't know maybe i'm assuming too much or maybe it, it maybe william taft had a super juicy sex life which is so disgusting to just kind of think about look him up if you want uh he's not necessarily a looker so the other big conspiracy behind them is this this like you know when you're a part of a secret society or you're a part of some sort of like group or whatever you have these you know challenges that you have to do often uh i remember at one of my bases that i was at when i was a when i was a wee airman i stole 
a mascot from a from a rival unit um long long time ago my much younger year so it's kind of similar to that but it seems like and this makes sense if you think about the name of skull and bones skull and bones is well known for stealing skulls so you've got the allegation that they stole martin van buren's skull who was the eighth president also the founder of the Democratic Party, U.S. Secretary of State and Governor of New York at one point. They allegedly also stole Pancho Villa's head. He's a general of the Mexican Revolution. And, you know, so anybody that's in the Air Force and has ever had to test for rank should know who Pancho Villa is because there's a whole, like, two pages in the book that we have to read that talks about how we used aerial balloons to try and track down Pancho Villa poorly, mind you. But I didn't know this. So he actually starred as himself in movies in Hollywood, which I don't know if that's sort of it's kind of cool or if it's lame. I think it's kind of equal parts both, really. But the individual that they have the most notoriety for for skull snatching, if you will, is Geronimo, famous Apache Indian, was not a chief. He was actually a shaman, died as a prisoner at Fort Sill in Oklahoma. So I actually went to his like alleged burial site. So anyway, so the idea is, is that Prescott Bush, remember, I told you to remember him, but I believe he's the grandfather of George W. Bush, stole the skull. And there was a letter apparently found in the Yale Library admitting to the theft. Now, the family of Geronimo, their Geronimo's descendants, actually sued either, I think they sued Yale in 2009 to try and get Geronimo's skull back. Now, Yale argues that uh, no, they do not have, and I think it's the skull and femur bones, which are the big bones in the leg. Yale says, obviously, like we don't have the remains of Geronimo on our university, and skull and bones are their own like separate entity. These bones are still missing. So that's kind of interesting. I'm confused as to why they picked those. Like I kind of maybe get Martin Van Buren because um, it's a lot of like political people that were a part of Skull and Bones. So Van Buren is the founder of the Democratic Party. So I get that. But I don't really understand why you would take Pancho Villa or Geronimo's skull. That seems odd to me. <laughs> But I mean, who knows? I get, you know, I stole a gigantic Gumby doll that was a mascot of a rival, you know, military unit. So why they chose Gumby is a question in and of itself. And why I stole the doll is a question because nobody actually dared me to do it. I just did it. So what can I say? I was wild and young when I was, well, you know, a young airman. Anyway, so moving back, back to Skull and Bones. So you have these well-to-do families who seem to kind of always circulate through this society. Many of these people became heads of prominent establishments. So you've got like the American Psychological Association, uh, the Council on Foreign Relations. So that's really kind of interesting. And then you have the CIA. So like I said, remember George H.W. Bush was a, it, yeah, was a Skull and Bones member and was also the director of the CIA. So this is where we start getting into the conspiracy theories. Well, the deeper ones than just stealing random, you know, Indian skulls. So allegedly, talk is that Skull and Bones, in connection with the CIA, plotted to kill 
I mean, I feel like you all know what I'm going to say here. They plotted to kill JFK, which, I mean, there's so many episodes I could do on JFK. I find I, the JFK is one of my favorite presidents. He's in my top 10. I find the Kennedys fascinating, particularly JFK. Did you know that part of his skull is missing? That's that's like a totally different episode, but it's true. That's very weird. So anyway, so there's this idea that the CIA, in connection with Skull and Bones, plotted to kill Kennedy for whatever reason that could be. There's also rumor that they created the nuclear bomb, which I think is kind of strange. I don't really understand that conspiracy theory, but there we have it. Now, this is where we kind of graduate into a higher level of conspiracy that bleeds into one of my previous episodes. So there are thoughts that Skull and Bones is merely just another branch of the Illuminati, which this is a common theme with a lot of order, like Freemasons and what is it, the Order of Columbus and uh, I don't know. There's all sorts of them out there. That the idea that they're all just really kind of like different branches from the Illuminati. And so why is this important? Well, because the Illuminati is thought to be trying to push forward with a new world order. So basically control, not just control the United States, but remake the world in its own image, if you will. So I can, you know, you can kind of see where this connection can be made, right? Because Skull and Bones has all of these, you know, you know, presidents, former presidents and other members of very influential positions in this society. And then later, after they graduate from Yale, end up sliding into these influential positions, right, where they can, you know, enact actual change. So this is where we get to my thoughts on this. So, I mean, obviously, Skull and Bones is real. It is. I do think they probably stole... Geronimo's skull and I think so I don't know why I really don't have a great a great reason I just and maybe I like and maybe this makes me a bad person but I kind of hope they did because I feel like it's like the best like the weirdest college shenanigans I can think of it's it's super like it's gross it's somebody's skull it's Geronimo's skull and it's super disrespectful no doubt but the idea that they might have did. They might have done it, and then basically have gotten away with it. Now, here's my question. So, if if I'm right, if they did steal Geronimo's skull, where is it? I personally think they don't know where it is. I think it's lost. I don't think it's like in like George W. Bush's, you know, basement, hermetically sealed somewhere. I don't think John Kerry brings it around with him in a weird box on his jet. You know, I just, uh, you know, I think it's lost. I think it is lost to time and just gone. Um, I do think they probably have weird and like dumb initiations because that's just normal, especially I think with like college elite. It's been my experience that people that think that they're better than everybody else because they have a lot of money have some of the weirdest, most unhealthy lifestyles. So I could see that. I don't think it's anything to do with the occult or black magic, because I don't believe in any of that. So, you know, watch, like, I'm sure somebody's going to put a hex on me now, but it is what it is. Uh, I think, you know, in terms of these, you know, these people that, you know, are in these positions, 
of power. I think that's just coincidence. So Yale is generally going to be reserved for rich kids. And, you know, these colleges, if you've been following, now I'm going to dive into a little bit of my day job as a political commentator for the Political Insider. There's a case at the Supreme Court right now where they're, you know, discussing the merits of affirmative action. So the idea that, you know, there's there might be preference to college admissions based off of race. Personally, I'm I'm against affirmative action. I get what why it was, you know, brought to be. I don't I think it merely hinders where we're at now uh, versus when it was enacted. I don't think it it serves a purpose at this point. But there is an interesting counter argument, and I think it was the newest justice, Katanji Brown Jackson, who brought it up. And I think it's a fair point. So you've got affirmative action where, based solely on the color of your skin, you could have preference over a white, a white applicant, right? Or, you know, as the current, you know, court case, court case says, an Asian applicant. But on the flip side, a lot of these colleges have what's called like family preference. So, oh, you're like, I'm a graduate from George Washington University. So theoretically, my daughter or son, there, there'd be a spot on their application to say like, oh, yes, my mother is a former alumna and she could get preference. Well, that doesn't seem fair either. But all that to kind of bring it back to the more fun topic of Skull and Bones. I think that's just it just happens to be that these people who are well to do that fall into these political positions and government positions happen to also be a a part of Skull and Bones. Politics is often a family business, although I don't think it should be, Um, but it is. So I don't I don't think it's a I don't think Skull and Bones purposely goes out to like breed political leaders. Controlling the CIA? I don't know. I'm not so sure about that one. I don't necessarily not believe that the CIA orchestrated Kennedy's assassination as you kind of got a little hint of earlier, I'm a huge JFK fan. Stay tuned. There will be so many more JFK specific episodes. I just don't think it was like a skull and bones mission. I think I think it's possible the CIA had a part in it, but I don't think skull and bones did. New World Order, I don't I don't think so. But if you listen to my Illuminati episode, I don't think it's the same you know, I don't think the Illuminati is trying to do a new world order just because I think if they were, they're just doing a, just a, just a shit job of it. Uh, so I don't really think you need to worry about that. So I guess if I were to boil it down, Skull and Bones obviously exists. I think they've done some weird things. I think they are, you know, probably a group of super rich entitled weirdos from, you know, weirdo families that end up having influence. But I think that's probably about as far as it goes. Thank you for listening. And please continue to follow us on Spotify. And please also leave a rating, preferably five stars. This helps support our endeavor by making sure our podcast shows up on general searches more often, which could help us get to where we can have advertisers. Why do advertisers matter? It allows us to monetize this podcast which in turn means we no longer have to use my pension to purchase equipment we need, such as some additions to our microphone that allows the sound to be more appealing. If you haven't noticed, I tend to breathe heavily and swallow hard. So, which I appreciate that you all listen even with that. I need to get, uh, I can't remember what it's called. My husband looked it up. Bless his heart. He's, he does so much work for me. 
like a microphone shield. So we have to use that with our own money. We don't make any money off of this podcast right now. So, you know, it's, you know, showing your support like that by leaving five stars, sharing it on your social media, that really helps us out. It would also, if we could do advertisers, allow us to do more intensive research, such as travel to actual places. I am an independent journalist and an independent researcher, so I rely on the support of fans, friends, and family to allow me to be able to go and do that stuff. So since we use our own funds, we are limited in how far we can go with this podcast. So please follow us on Spotify, share with your friends, and give us a five-star rating. The next episode, I'll be discussing the Bermuda Triangle. Is it real? Is it something natural? Is it built by aliens? Or perhaps something like our own military is using it for nefarious uses? You'll have to check out the episode to find out what I think. Thank you again for listening, and please take the time to follow me on Substack. I publish my podcasts and all my writings on my Substack titled The Sweet Struggle. You can also find me on Twitter at at MohawkModerate, and swing by thepoliticalinsider.com to read my articles and those of my other highly talented fellow writers. My name is Kathleen Anderson, and this is The Eclipse.